Hey everybody and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, JJ Jerez, as always, and of course, my main man, my go-to, Arif Dean. Arif, we couldn't come to we couldn't come to our listeners on Thursday like we had planned because basketball Arif had to make an appearance and you had to cover a Nuggets game, right? How'd that go? Yeah, so that was really cool. I covered the Nuggets Raptors game and it was uh one of those things where I, I, I did it and I went and it wasn't until the day that I had to go where I was like, Oh shit, we're supposed to podcast today. So yes, I, I did do that. I had uh Thursday Raptors at Nuggets, Friday Sharks at Avs, Saturday Sharks at Avs. I did not go to Ball Arena today. I took a nap instead. So it was good to have a day off, but we're here to podcast and talk all about it. So you're one of the probably few people in the entire state who has been to both Avs and Nuggets games. How do they compare, you know, as in the in-game experience? I mean, even just as a fan, what are the differences and what are the similarities you're seeing in the two productions? So basketball is actually really cool because they do a lot of, you know, their production is so much more nonchalant and like just so much more entertaining in the sense where there's music going on during the game. It's something as small as that just makes the world of difference. The culture is just different. It's really, really cool that way. Uh, what I will say is hockey definitely takes the cake in terms of fan excitement, uh, especially in a regular season game. So obviously in the playoffs, the NHL games are far more exciting. And we've seen playoff NBA games get exciting. I mean, I remember the Raptors run a couple years ago, and I say this because I was following that closely when Kawhi was you know, drilling game seven buzzer beaters and doing all these crazy things against the Philadelphia 76ers and all that. The crowd was electric. But in a regular season game, it's like walking through a mall. There's just chatter here, chatter there. Every time Jokic touches the ball, everybody chants MVP. It's 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 kind of unique <laughs> in that sense. Um, it's exciting and, and entertaining in a different kind of way. But it definitely has like a great in-game experience. There's a lot of fun going on. And the music is great. Like they play some good songs. Yeah, I agree. I love that part about the NBA, just the background music. I wish the NHL could somehow incorporate it, but you love when you're watching, you know, I think everybody thinks of Winnipeg at first thought when you think about this, and you're watching the game, the crowd's paying attention, they're into it, they're clapping for even subtle good plays, you know, you love that, and I think that's something basketball lacks, because yeah. so much scoring in basketball, bat, bucket after bucket after bucket, really the first three quarters are just kind of... Going through the motions, every once in a while you get a sweet play, maybe an alley-oop, and then the last three minutes are really super exciting, whereas in hockey, you know, at any given moment, a goal scored, and then the entire crowd goes wild. So, um, you know, obviously pros and cons to both, but I'm just curious because I'm a big Nuggets fan, and, you know, I think uh, since I cover the Avalanche, the Nuggets games are really a time for me to be a fan again, and I'm just... I haven't been yet, and I'm just curious on the, the difference. But how spoiled are we here in Denver to have two potential MVP candidates, right? We got get the pleasure of watching Nathan McKinnon, and we get the pleasure of watching Nikola Jokic. We used to even have Nolan Arenado. Yeah, and then they traded him for nothing and a dumpster fire, and it's been a whole thing with them. But yeah, I mean, Nikola Jokic is so much fun to watch. He's just this big, gigantic bag of whipped milk, but he's so <laughs> good. He's such an exciting player to watch. He's such a treat. Uh, and he actually has a big chance to win the MVP award. I don't think McKinnon does because of the season McDavid's having, but Jokic likely could do it. And and that's pretty awesome that these two teams, I mean, they've been kind of, you know, connected at the hip for the last few years. There was that day where the Avalanche had to play the Sharks and or sorry, the Blues in 2018 on the last day of the regular season to get in. The Nuggets had to play the Timberwolves. The Nuggets lost. 
their game, uh, their game 82 winner take all playoff game, and the Avalanche won their game 82. The following year, both made the playoffs. Uh, I think the Nuggets lost in the second round to Portland, the Avalanche lost in the second round to the Flames. Last year, the Nuggets overcame the LA Clippers in a three to one series lead to make it to the third round. The Avalanche almost did it to the Dallas Stars. Had they done that, it would have been the exact same thing. Obviously, they lost in the third round. Avalanche lost that game seven at Dallas. So these two teams have kind of been separated at the hip the last few years. They're obviously both cronky teams, uh, and and that's great for them and 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 shitty for fans that are hoping to get Kroenke out like the ones in Arsenal. But it's it's just funny to see both of these teams doing it at the same time in the same way. As someone who always messes up common phrases, I'm not throwing stones at you here, but oh. I don't think separated at the hip is is the correct Con- one. Connect- but... Connected at the hip. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's, um, I know what it's you're a saying. Sunday at 7.30. They're separated at the hip. <laughs> I wanted to go back to one thing you said there um, about McKinnon possibly not being you know, one of the winner or the winner for the Hart Trophy this year because of the season McDavid is having. But take away McDavid. Do you think McKinnon, the season he's having, is worthy of a, even a nod of, of a Hart Trophy? Yes, absolutely. Even if you were to take out Connor McDavid, do you think he's a front runner? He is. It would be between him and Matthews. I mean, it's it's simple as pie. The last three, simple as pie. Where am I coming up with these phrases? <laughs> the last three, uh, the big three are McDavid, Matthews, and McKinnon. Anything less than that is 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 like an atrocity in my mind. Nobody should overtake McKinnon, Matthews, or McDavid. And then if you ask me how the voting is going to go, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it from now. McKinnon probably ends up third. But those are the big three, and, and, and without McDavid, it would make it a big two of, of Matthews and McKinnon. Well, let's get into the Avalanche. Since we last spoke, they went 2-2, two and two, and the injury bug is poking its ugly head out again. So um, let's start with those two losses. What happened in those two losses, would you say? One to St. Louis, one to Vegas, and uh, the Avalanche just, not, not that they looked disinterested, but just a bit flat in both games. It, it's a lack of a roster that, that can compete with Vegas and a lack of a roster that can compete with a team like the Blues who have been one of the hottest teams in the NHL lately. Because without Miko Ranton and without Jonas Donskoy, and I'm finding out more and more, and we all are finding out more and more by the day just how important Jonas Donskoy is to this team. And it's kind of crazy because he was not this important last year. He was a good depth piece, but now suddenly he's that guy on the top power play unit. He's that guy generating offense. He's the guy that's making plays even when he's not scoring, which he hasn't in the two games since he's come back. So I think the the the, the biggest thing there against Vegas, they just didn't have the guys to beat Vegas. When you have you know all these guys in the lineup where your roster is that depleted, where Carl Soderberg's playing on your second line left wing and, and Tyson Jost is playing with with uh, Comfort here and Nachushkin there and and uh, it just nothing was really you could tell going into the Vegas game it was going to be a loss and that's just the way it felt from the beginning um, and then Vegas scored 10 seconds in and we're like oh boy this is going to be a night against the Blues you know the Blues are by no means at the level of Vegas but the Blues are one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now granted Minnesota did come back from a 3-1 to deficit to beat them on Saturday, which is exactly what the Blues did to the Wild the game before. So that's been fun to watch. But they just didn't have the guys to do it. And I know Kadri's in a bit of a slump right now, and that hurts. And, and you know, I keep forgetting about him, but Brandon Saad is also not in the lineup. So without Saad, without Donskoy, without Ranton, and those were just too many offensive weapons missing. They got Ranton in back. 
They got Donskoy back. You saw the impact it had on a power play that was already scoring, but just how much easier it was with Rantanen and Donskoy there, how many more weapons they had. And and now they're beating, you know, the San Jose Sharks like it's nothing, which I know it's San Jose, but you got two more against them. You got four against LA. You got one against Vegas. That's the end of the regular season. So are you feeling good about the current state of this team? Because, um, you know, I think the two losses for a second, I think had Avs fans saying, oh, oh, things might be turning for the ugly here and turning for the worse. And I think I want to ask the question that people are afraid to confront. And we saw that awesome stretch that they had back in March. Did they? Did this team peak too too early? early? I don't think so. And the reason why I say that is because... There is still, like I said, there is, what is it now, seven games, four against LA, two against San Jose, and then the one against Vegas. Yep, seven. Seven games left. That's plenty of time to to really get your feet wet and get ready to go for the playoffs, especially considering they're 2-0 in their last two. So, you know, over nine games, you're looking at a good stretch, hopefully. I don't buy the whole peaking too early thing as long as you're ready to go by games, usually 81-82, this year 55-56. Because even Vegas, who's a good team, was shut out by Minnesota in game one, or sorry, by Arizona in game one of their series. And in the second game, blew a two to nothing lead in the third period and had to win in overtime after a penalty, a very weird, questionable, too many men on the ice penalty was called against the Coyotes in order for Vegas to score a game winning goal. So if you're a Knights fan, you're probably sitting there talking on a podcast, talking about how. This team needs to get its shit together. You can't blow two goal leads to Arizona. You can't get shut out by Aiden Hill, not even Darcy Kemper. You can't get shut out by these teams because those guys in Colorado will kill us if we're going to do that. So everybody's kind of feeling that. That's kind of the way that I see it. St. Louis fans, same exact, same exact thing. You can't blow a lead to Minnesota. And two days before that, or maybe it was the day earlier, Minnesota did the same thing against St. Louis. These are four really good teams that are going to have a great time in the playoffs. But considering the way that the Avalanche play when they're on, which is pretty much most nights, the way McKinnon's playing, the fact that Grubauer can come right back in and nonchalantly post a shutout, the fact that Makar is doing what he's doing lately, I don't buy the narrative that they peak too early. And and I do have to retract what I said a couple of minutes ago. I don't think that the peaking too early thing is a wrong, is, is a wrong thing to think of. I just don't think the Avalanche are going through that. I think the reason that you just said is is why I'm with you, and that's Philip Grubauer returns to the lineup and immediately posts a shutout like he didn't miss a, a minute, right? So I think that was the best thing to see. And let's get into Grubauer a little bit. Just one game, and then immediately, since it was a back-to-back, they gave him the next night off. But just having Grubauer net for some reason just brings a different presence to this team. And it's we've, we've talked about it a hundred times, and it's probably obvious they're just more comfortable with him back there, but it even with Dubnik, you'd think that there'd be some sort of sense of comfortability, but with Grubauer, it's just night and day. And that's the thing. Dubnik is by no means doing anything to light the world on fire with the Avalanche, but he's also not doing completely terrible despite what many people think. He's not completely shitting the bed. He's holding his own. He's being a backup goalie. That is the type of backup goalie that you acquire for Greg Patteron in a fifth round draft pick. He's doing what he has to do. But Grubauer's next level in terms of confidence for the team and in himself. Philip Grubauer is not a guy that's always been like this. This year, he's just been a very different type of business-as-usual mindset where he's just kind of doing his thing. And it's it's really fascinating to watch because he hasn't always been like this. And he hasn't with the Avalanche. He's usually frustrated. He's usually kind of attacking his own game and you know not really happy with how things... 
But now it just seems like he shows up in the crease, puts one hand up against the goalposts, and just, yeah, I'm going to post another shutout today. And that's kind of this mindset that he's in. And as soon as that first period ended and it was and it was uh, scoreless on in, in the first game, or maybe it was, sorry, no, the Avalanche, I, I forget. these The periods are all jumbled up. But as soon as he posted a zero in the first period of the game that he returned, I kind of sat back and smiled. It was 2 nothing guys. They scored the two power play goals. I kind of sat back and went, he's going to post another shutout, isn't he? And, and he did. And he made it look easy. And even when the Sharks started to press, you know, it wasn't going to happen. And then... He lets in a goal, and Jared Bednar calls for the challenge, and I looked at the guy next to me, and I was like, they're going to win this challenge, aren't they? And they won the challenge, and it went back to zero, and he posted the shutout. It's just great to see the level of confidence they have in the team, and it's both worrisome and awesome, and it's worrisome because if Grubauer goes down, see you later, but if Grubauer stays healthy like he has been all season, COVID aside, then you're looking at a pretty good team in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you on a lot of that. Um, uh, only thing I kind of slightly disagree with was your take on Devin Dubnik. I think he's got another level that we're not seeing. There are a few goals that I really wish he'd take out of his game. Like there was one, yeah. I forget who it was, but it was from below the goal line, and he just didn't recover on yep. the rebound very well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a, that was against Vegas. Right. So there, there's a few of those things that you'd like to see tweaked. Um but how crazy is it to see that, you know, across the league, Semyon Varlamov posting shutout Love after it. shutout versus Philip Grubauer. I'm excited to see with only seven games left who ultimately ends up the uh, leader in shutouts in the league this year. Well, Semyon Varlamov, if you're not aware, is in the middle of a three consecutive game shutout streak. And he's looking at that Brian Boucher five straight shutouts from 04 record and he's staring it in the eyes. He wants it. Uh so I'm really, I'm really, really happy for for Varley, dude. He's 33 years old. That is so fascinating to me. That Semyon Varlamov, the little young kid that was here that didn't know a lick of English, is 33 years old and he's killing it in in Long Island. And I'm so happy for him. Just so everybody can follow along, Varley's leading the league with seven shutouts. Grubauer right behind him with six. Then Flurry and Vasilevsky with five. But um, yeah, again, you just got to love the confidence Grubauer's playing with. It's like he didn't even miss a game, and hopefully now that they have a couple gaps in between some games, get him a few stretches, get those legs under him, and he's going to be right where you want him to be come playoff time. However, you look at the guys in front of him, and more specifically the defensive unit, you got a couple injuries there, right? You got Gerard missing two weeks, so is what we're told, and Ryan Graves, which is apparently day-to-day right now. So let's get into those injuries. Um, you know, how tough are those at, at, and how tough is the timing mainly? Sam Gerard is two weeks, give or take, like Bedner said. And what that says to me is Sam Gerard is two weeks, give or take the day the playoffs start. Because today's May 2nd. He was hurt on April 30th. The last day of the regular season is May 13. The playoffs likely will start May 15. I would imagine the Avalanche would play the 16th, maybe, hopefully, so they can have that extra day off. We'll see, but what that says to me is Sam Gerrard is going to be healthy probably for the playoffs. I can't foresee him missing a playoff game. I could be wrong. I'm literally just thinking about this, you know, saying this, you know, just randomly predicting what I think is going to happen. But at the same time, if Bednar, if it was something that would have lasted into the playoffs, I think Bednar would have said something that would have convinced us that that would be the case and not two weeks give or take because two weeks give or take says to me when the playoffs start maybe he'll be back for the last game of the regular season but it's la why 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 do it why rush it ryan graves the injury is a little bit more concerning in a sense because it's kind of flip a coin and let's see what happens because 
Bednar first said there's no timeline, no timetable on his return because we don't really have that information yet. And then he said, I'll consider him day to day, but that could change. So flip a coin. We'll see what happens, basically. Uh, I suspect tomorrow being Monday, when most of you are listening to this, we will uh, have an opportunity to talk to Jared during the pregame uh, morning skate prior to the Avalanche playing at San Jose for game three of four in a row against them. And we'll probably get an update on Ryan Graves. We'll ask for one. We'll see what's happening. If nobody else does, I will definitely ask for one. Um, So for him, we will see. Uh, I'm not as concerned about Ryan Graves missing time because I think he'll probably be ready when the Avalanche need him to be ready, which is in the first round of the playoffs. But, you know, at the latest, hopefully. But um, this also gives an opportunity for Connor Timmons to get some more games in and to play a bigger role, which I think is great for Connor. Um, But again, you just don't want to be missing every single defenseman that's big from the lineup. So Ryan Graves is exactly that. Yeah, it was great to see Connor Timmons kind of have a good game and fall back into the favor of Avs fans, right? I mean, it's kind of been an up-and-down season on the popular opinion of him, so it's good to see him kind of get going on that note. But with Ryan Graves, you know, I think Sam Gerrard's absence is obvious, and he's definitely going to be missed, and you want him to definitely be around by the playoffs. We've talked a lot, though, about how, you know, it's next guy up. There's a lot of depth. We've seen the depth in action. There's a lot of guys willing to step up and fill a role like Ryan Graves. Do you think this team, in the hypothetical scenario that he's not able to go for a while, are they okay without a guy like Ryan Graves? Yeah. They're deep. Like, that's the reality. If you're going to be missing Graves and Gerard and Byram and McDonald and then another guy goes down, let's say, pick a guy, Taves or even Nemeth, then yes, you're, you're, you're kind of cutting it close to comfort. I mean, you're kind of there right now. But the reality is Timmons can play a top four role when you need it. Eric Johnson can play a top four role when you need it. Not that Johnson's coming back unless the Avalanche go on a deep run and even then it's questionable. Uh, Jacob McDonald, eh, kind of, kind of not. Bowen Byram can. Taves, McCarr, Gerard, these guys all can. Ryan Graves can. So there's a lot of guys there. So as soon as both guys went down, and as I wrote in the Dean's list, it was step right up Connor Timmons and step right up Patrick Nemeth. And both those dudes stepped right up. Patrick Nemeth had an exceptional game. He played over 23 minutes, and that is his goal aside before the goal, which he scored in the third period. I would have been saying this, but then he comes out in the third period, fires a laser from the blue line, literally goes posting in or crossbarring in. It was it was a bar down shot with Ranton in front of the crease. How beautiful was that? It was awesome to see Nemeth score. It was awesome to see Timmons take advantage of a top four game and play over 18 minutes. Um but if it was just Ryan Graves, that's not too big a deal. Granted, you don't want to be missing Graves, but the Avalanche have options this year at, at defense like they do at forward, and it's just so refreshing to see. I think even more refreshing to see is just the simple fact that you didn't have to overwork guys like McCarr and Taves, right? I mean, you didn't have to throw them into crazy minutes. I think neither of them exceeded 24 Uh I think I looked after the game. I think that's what it was. But you don't have to ride them when you're missing guys, right? And that just speaks more to the depth and the quality of it because you can trust some guys like like these to step in and take care of things when um, you know you really don't want to overwork guys like Makar and Taves heading into the playoffs. Come playoff time, sure, throw them in there 28 minutes if you have to. But um, right now you you got to have a nice, gentle combo of getting the reps in and not getting overworked yeah the only thing is i will say i think you and the game sheet are a little bit separated at the hip as well um 
McCarr did not hit 24. He played 23-53. Nemeth played 23-34. But Devontae's... So I was right. But Devontae's oh. played 28-27. So that 28, that 28 thing that you're talking about. I remember kind of looking at that after the game yesterday and thinking, who played big minutes? And I saw Nemeth's, and I was like, holy crap. Then I saw Taves, and I was like, wow. Because uh, Dan Renuff played 10 1054 and he wasn't even the least because Kyle Burroughs only played 947. So that's kind of the thing is you are now at the point where the Avalanche are out of defensemen that they can trust to play 18 minutes a game. Nemeth is one. Graves is another. Gerard is another. Taves, McCarr, uh, Gerard, and Jacob McDonald even has seen games where he's played big minutes. So you're going to need five of those in the lineup at any given time. And right now they have four. And and you need Byram, Graves, Gerard. You need two of those guys to be back to, or and McDonald. You need two of those four guys to be back to feel a little bit co- uh, more comfortable, just so that you don't have Renuff and uh, Burroughs playing every single game. Well, Devontae's minutes, I think, were a little bit inflated there at the end, just because San Jose made the game a little bit closer yeah. than yep. the game really was. So. I guess that's just on the abs to really take care of business against a team like San Jose so that way the guys can get some rest. Yeah, and it's kind of on Dev- on on Devon, the other guy, Devin Dubnik to uh try not to sell a goalie interference to that extent. I can't think he kind of weaseled at the poke check and then as soon as he saw that there was going to be any bit of uh traffic and 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 contact with his stick he kind of sold the goalie interference thing and as soon as bedner and i saw him kind of like complaining he was like throwing his hands up looking at the ref and the linesman like what the hell this this that and then as soon as bedner made the call i'm like no don't i mean i i I saw the replay and i'm like you know what there is a bit of a case there we've seen crazier things but my initial reaction was don't listen and take the opinion of a pissed off devin dubnik which happens 14 times a period don't do it don't do it don't he did it they obviously failed at that. Um, and it was a shorthanded goal too. So that was a defensive breakdown by the abs. I'm not going to pin it completely on Dubnik. It was a breakaway and then the rebound. But yeah, I mean, you need to have Devin Dubnik making the saves so that at the end of the game, it's not four to three with the goalie pulled. Yeah, classic goalie mentality, right? They don't even like to be breathed on, but they also want to go behind the net and hit people uh, <laughs> without any repercussions. So um, yeah, hilarious take there on, on Dubnik and right in those emotions. I mean, classic Dubnik. But um, guys, the NHL playoffs are right around the corner. So if you haven't joined DraftKings yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. So right now would be a perfect time because what better way to express your hockey knowledge and your expertise than throwing a little skin on the game, right? So make sure you guys are downloading DraftKings and, uh, you know, putting your knowledge to the test because right now is a great time to do so. Right before both NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, you got the MLB in full swing. So lots of things to bet on. So make sure you're downloading DraftKings because it's safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code MHS to enter the... Don't... Not to enter the free horse race because that's old. We already missed that one. But use promo code MHS to probably get some sort of sweet promo that they're going to be releasing this week. I, I'm not sure what's the what's the next biggest event, Arif, that they could possibly be promoting this week. It's probably the it's probably the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, as far as I'm concerned, because the NBA playoffs are going to be right around the same time. So I think that's what's next. What I would say is use promo code MHS to make a better bet than. JJ taking Tampa Bay minus one and a half against the Red Wings only to lose one to nothing in the shootout. 
to Thomas Grice and the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of promos where right now you're putting down $1 to win 100 so that's probably what you can expect here uh, this week, and those are really great. They come in free bets, and you can just uh, you know really exploit that and get some parlays. That's what I've been doing a lot lately, Eric. I've been hitting a lot of parlays. Yeah, that Tampa Bay pick was a bit rough, um, but just kind of like you were saying, how Vegas has been going through a tough time with the Coyotes, the Avs going through not so much a tough time with San Jose, but... Tampa Bay's been going through a tough time with Detroit. They got one nothing shutout yesterday, and they were only able to bury two and win 2-1 today against Detroit. So neither days did Tampa Bay hit the minus one and a half, and, you know, that's kind of league-wide. Yeah, and it's it's kind of the thing that I talked about on the Dean's List on Saturday at the, at the end of the Avalanche Sharks' second game is goals are just hard to come by right now, and that's just what usually happens as the regular season wind downs. And I know some team winds down i should say and i know some teams kind of scored a lot of goal like boston put up six against buffalo and toronto had a ton of goals against vancouver and things like that but washington was blanked by the pittsburgh penguins and tristan jari the new york rangers who yes they're not making the playoffs but they've been one of the highest scoring teams since artemi panarin returned to the lineup um they were shut out by none other than Semyon Varlamov and the New York Islanders. So there's a lot of teams out there that are struggling to score. The Avalanche kind of went through it a little bit with San Jose because let's face it, scoring two goals in that first game is a little bit concerning. But then you look around the league and it's like, well, it's happening to everybody. The Avalanche only scored two on an empty, uh, two on a power play and then one on the empty net. But it was nice to see them put in four yesterday because they didn't score the first goal Saturday until 33 minutes into the game. So they had played an entire game and a half against the Sharks and only beaten a goalie twice plus an empty netter and both those times were on a power play. So it was getting a little bit, a little too concerning, but goals are just hard to come by right now. The Avalanche came through. Devontae's had that blast that was directed and, and you know, Patrick Nemeth, I still can't get over his goal. I, I had to shout it out a second time, but that's just the reality. It's hard to score right now. So taking the minus one and a half puck line right now is... It's not a good bet because you just don't know who's going to get those goals right now. I hear you. I mean, you can even look directly at Nathan McKinnon, right? I mean, he has his 15-game point streak snapped and even goes a game without getting a shot on goal, which is something you never see from Nathan McKinnon. So obviously offense is a little bit tighter. I think something is has to be said for, again, the COVID what, – what's the word? COVID – exhaustion not covid exhaustion covid fatigue covid fatigue um, same word in the same schedule. exact word right yep. that was close uh you know I, and i don't think nathan mckinnon gets into a fight um without this covid fatigue and just the redundancy of the end of the schedule it. yeah exactly so um i think other than that mckinnon's in the zone i mean he had one game where it was just a little bit different than what we're used to but you know i think he's buzzing and if there's one thing you can bet on is if a, a nathan mckinnon goes scoreless or shotless in a game then he's probably not not only going to get nine shots the next game, but he's probably going to score a goal too, and that's exactly what we saw in Game 2 against San Jose. Do you know what the second line the Avalanche had the last time Matt Duchesne did not record? The last time Nathan McKinnon, I just gave away the answer, did not <laughs> record a shot in a game. It yes, was Matt, Matt Duchesne, Duchesne at center. I just screwed it up because I'm so tired. Playing between Neil Yakupov and Alexander Kerfoot in October of 2017. So this is about two or three weeks after that photo of Matt Duchesne looking pissed off that the Avalanche's PR for some reason decided to post. That's how long it's been since since uh, Nathan McKinnon went without a shot. And that's crazy. 264 games, I believe it was, uh, his streak. 
but the reality is with with Nathan McKinnon, when you go through a streak like that, and then you have all of these games kind of compacted into a small amount of time, and you're carrying the team, and you're the only one, and then there was that game where it was him versus O'Reilly every single you know period, and then O'Reilly ended up scoring and winning on on a hat trick empty netter, and all this. You get Rantanen and Donskoy back in the lineup. Yeah, you're going to take a back seat and be like, you know what? I'm not going to do this every single game. And that's okay. The Avalanche got a couple power play goals. Rantanen had two assists, ended up scoring an empty netter. That was great. But then he came back the next day. And he was, as I wrote in the Dean's list, dancing and prancing. And, and he sent the ball arena crowd into a frenzy with that first period goal, which was just a beautifully executed, well-drawn-out play, which I will talk about in a second. He had nine shots on goal, and he was in pretty much every single shift. What I love about Nathan McKinnon is he's a great player, but what he did on Saturday against the San Jose Sharks was a level above great player. Now, let me tell you this. The reason why Nathan McKinnon is going to struggle to win a lot of Hart trophies in the next 10 years is because of friggin' Connor McDavid. He's that good. The difference between Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid and this is going to sound like I'm bashing our guy right now, is the game McKinnon had Saturday, he can do that 45 times a year out of 82 games. Connor does it 75 times. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. But the other 35 games for Nate and the other five games, seven games for for Connor are not bad games. They're great all-star games, but what he did Saturday was just next level. It almost upsets me that he only ended up with two points because he was playing like the kind of game where you would end up with like a hat trick and two assists. So shout out to Nate for that game. And you just knew after having zero shots, zero goals, and and ragdolling Kevin LeBanc after taking a couple that it was going to end up being like that. He's just been extra focused, it seems like, lately, too. And sometimes it comes across as anger, especially after a loss in a post-game interview, right? Mm. Um, but I think he's just elevated to a, to a different level. And like I said, I think something has to be said for COVID fatigue because I feel like these last 12, 15 games of the season have just been drawn out and just taking yeah. forever. And we knew the Avalanche are in the playoffs. Just get us there already and wake me up when they're here you know even for me it's been a little bit more challenging to focus and pay attention on these games that they matter but do they really because we're just trying to get to the dance right so um yeah that's that's just kind of where i'm at on that whole thing yeah it's it's so fr i mean dude they're playing four straight against the san jose sharks and then they play four straight against the la kings but there's also going to be like a game against vegas just like doppled in the middle of all that so it's it's kind of a weird look but which is all the more challenging, right? Is facing yeah. teams who are already out of it. They don't know why they're playing anymore. And then you show up and you're like, why are we even playing these guys? They don't have a shot. It doesn't matter. We're in the playoffs. It's just got to be a lot harder to get up for and a lot harder to really just, I guess, I, I mean, that's it. Just get up for and get jazzed. I mean, and, and that's why you score two goals on Martin Jones and then you don't score another one on him the entire game and score an empty netter and then come in mm -hmm. the next day and take half a game to score a goal. And then yep. 33 minutes in, you get one and then you get three more and you're like, okay, let's not lose to this guy named Coronar, who, by the way, played awesome. Like, shout out to him. Yeah, what? But, Where was that from? Yeah, that was so <laughs> random. That was that was back to like the 2009 avalanche where any time a goalie would make his debut – they would completely just yep. tear the abs apart. Um, so it kind of felt like that again. But that's kind of the way it's been going. But you can tell they're not getting into bad habits. They're not doing anything, you know, that's concerning going to the playoffs other than getting hurt. So stop getting hurt. Uh, stop getting COVID. Stop losing and missing games. 
uh, other than that, they look like they're going to get there. But I do want to shout out that goal that Nathan McKinnon scored. Oh, I thought you were going to do Patrick Nemeth again. No, <laughs> Patrick Nemeth got it twice. That's more than enough. You know, if he scores another one of those, I'll give him three shout outs on the next pod. The Nathan McKinnon goal was one of the coolest things I've seen because this wasn't shown on the TV broadcast. I'm trying to find a replay of it somewhere and I can't find a replay. Granted, I haven't looked at the shark stream. Well, it's the same camera, so, you know, who knows? But prior, yeah, that was a stupid question or a stupid comment. Prior to the goal, there was that face off and it was McKinnon. He had Taves behind him and then he had Rantanen and Timmins. It was a four on four play. Prior to the puck drop, Connor Timmins was getting set up behind McKinnon, kind of to the left of Taves. And then they had Rantanen off to the, you know, to the side, kind of in front of the goalie. And Nathan McKinnon turns his body, looks at Connor Timmins, points at him and says, you come here, takes him and says, stand here. He points him over to here. So Connor Timmins stands at the circle right in front of the net. McKinnon wins the faceoff back to Taves who passes it to Rantanen at the half wall, who sends it to Timmins, where Timmins was now standing because of Nate, who instantly does that pass to McKinnon for the tap-in. It was a well-drawn-out, beautifully executed play. McKinnon told Timmins, this is where you need to stand. And it went boom, 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 McKinnon, goal. Like, it was so beautiful to watch. And that's the type of thing that Con- that M- McKinnon brings. That's why if you saw Connor Timmins was so excited after he had yeah, that assist, which was a beautiful pass. Like mm-hmm. a lot of other guys, like Taves and Ranton, and it took them a second to make the pass. Connor Timmons just one touch that friggin' puck right to Nate. It was so perfectly executed, so beautiful. And that's the kind of game that Timmons can bring, but that's the type of leadership M- McKinnon has on every single play. Yeah, absolutely. You love to see him, you know, drawing it up like that. But I also, you know, on the opposite side of that, I think that's, part of where he gets this mentality of like man no I'm not saying he has this this is more me suspecting that he has this mentality right after a loss I feel like he's the kid in the locker room that says man I had a good game if only my teammates were a little bit better right (laughs) so he kind of wishes his teammates would be a little bit more on his same page without him having to to direct them and drive them around but with a guy like Connor Timmons you have to kind of walk him through it, and you have to. I'm sure if it was Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr would have probably been telling Nathan McKinnon where to put the puck, right? So with a guy like Nathan McKinnon kind of guiding Connor Timmons, I think that's great to see, and yeah, I love that you pointed that out. I mean, if you're Nathan McKinnon and you're that good at hockey, you have to expect that you're going to be the one carrying the team. It's kind of the same conversation as when a great player becomes a coach, like when Wayne Gretzky becomes a coach. It's hard for them to fathom players just not clicking in their mind what to do because he's like, this was easy for me. It's like, yeah, dude, you were Wayne mm-hmm. Gretzky. Stop trying to compare Ed Jovanovsky, who's a <laughs> defenseman, to you. Like, it doesn't work that way. So, uh, you know, it's kind of that same mindset. But McKinnon is a great leader. He loves to tell his players, his teammates, how to go and what to do. And and he's by no means a bad teammate. That's why he has the A on his sweater. He kind of gets a little pissy after losses. But who doesn't? But, you know, he doesn't take it out on his teammates. He takes it out on himself and media like me. So, like, it's great. He's a good teammate. He's a great guy to have in the locker room. And he's damn good at hockey. And and those are three good things that you can that you need from someone like him. And, again, I just think he's in the zone right now. You know, I don't think yes. you're seeing him smile much. It's just all focus. I think right now he he's realizing this is the time we got to turn it up. So I'm trying my hardest to turn it the frick up. Have you seen, and I hope I'm not going to – 
you know, totally blow this if you say no. But have you seen that video of him doing a little bit of a shimmy shake, wearing the Team Canada jersey, yeah. holding a beer? And, okay, yes. good. So you have seen it. He's not going to get into that mode until or if or when the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. Until then, it's going to be straight face, business as usual. Let's do this. I mean, we saw yesterday during the game, and I posted a picture of it. Gabe Landeskog had his wife and his two daughters up at the glass during the pregame skate. And it was the cutest thing. He kept coming over and smiling and waving at them and shooting pucks at his daughter, Linnea, I believe is her name. Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. And Nazem Kadri comes around and sees them and starts waving at them. He knows it's Gabe's kids. He's sitting here chit-chatting with Gabe. McKinnon wouldn't be doing that. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Not even during a pregame skate. He's so in the zone. And that doesn't mean he doesn't like kids or hates babies or Gabe. It's just he's so in the mode and so in the zone of I need to win this hockey game that he wouldn't do that. And, and that's kind of the interesting thing about him right now is that he's so fixated on, I have to win this damn hockey game against a goalie named Coronar and the San Jose Sharks who are not making the playoffs, and he was still in that zone. Who does that mentality remind you of the most? Nathan's? Yes. I want to say Patty Wall. I'm going to go with Sidney Crosby, right? Yes. Just okay. Put your yep. head down. Keep doing exactly Work. what you're doing. Go through your routine. Make sure you're ready for the game and you're ready to be the best player on the ice, right? I, I've recently seen a, a video of Sidney Crosby outlining the McDonald's logo in the ice, right? Just because yeah. he's so focused. He doesn't care what's going on around him. He's just working on his hand. He probably doesn't even realize it's a McDonald's logo. He just sees the lines yeah. and he's going around him doing his toe drags. I think, think about the happy meal he's going to get after. Again, we've always commented on, on, on the amazing influence Crosby's had on Nathan McKinnon. Now you're seeing it kick into gear, and I think now you're seeing Nathan McKinnon even take it to another level because he has that extra bit of fierceness and fire in him, right? Yeah, and as soon as those two started hanging out, you just knew that this was going to happen. Uh, Tim Horton's commercials aside, because those are the funniest things I've seen in Canada in a long time, but... Uh, you just knew that that relationship was going to be good for Nate. And Nate is the one that sought out that relationship. He went out and he made that relationship with Sid. Dude, he's, he's what, eight years younger than him? He's born in 95. He's eight years younger than Sid the kid, who's not a kid anymore. And he spent as much time as he could with him. He spends his off seasons with him. He works out with him. And he tries to find a way to be as good as Sid is at everything, if not better at some things. Um, the only thing Crosby needs to do is take him in the offseason to a shed somewhere and practice face-off so Nathan can become a 55% face-off guy and not 45 or whatever he is now. That seems to be the one thing lacking from his game that he just can't figure out, which is why Gabe Landeskog is suddenly like this face-off genius because <laughs> I, there was no one else on that line to take the draw. I feel like he's inching his way towards it. He's, he's getting there. Getting he's getting better. there. We pointed yeah. out how he beat Ryan O'Reilly a couple big ones a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, but no, now that you say it, I really like the Patrick Waugh mentality comparison, right? He's yeah. kind of the Patrick Waugh of centers. Yeah, and and Patty Waugh is the same exact way in the sense where he comes to get, he comes to the game to work. He has his little things like you know doesn't skate over the blue line, I believe, and obviously just being in the zone and doing his little head nods because he's Patty and it was weird. But he was always in the zone. He never really broke out of that mentality that we saw. And, and it showed. He won pretty much everything there was to win. He's won a ton of playoff games, a, a lot of Stanley Cups. He's done it all, and he had that same competitive fierceness when it came to being a coach. The problem with Patty being a coach is he also wanted to be the GM, and he wasn't really good at that. <laughs> I mean, the coaching is a little bit questionable already, but the, the GM part, he wasn't really good at that. But he had that same fierce mentality. It was always straight-faced, 
It was, let me blow these guys back to the bench. I'm going to get pissed off when I need to get pissed off. And if you take a stab at one of my rookies in their first career game, in a game when we're winning 6-1, to one, I'm going to bring the Pepsi Center glass down onto Bruce Boudreaux's head. Yeah. It's just going to be the way that I do things. <laughs> Patrick Wall. What a time that was. Patrick Wall also gave the media a lot of attitude, right? But when he would yeah. do it, he would kind of throw in some humor in there and make a po- couple people chuckle. So I was like, oh, it's yeah. okay with Nathan McKinnon. It's just... Uh, yeah. He's just angry. Patty's was a type of humor where you're like, ah, should I laugh or should yeah. I not? Is he, is he making be okay? fun of me or can I? <laughs> is he gonna be fine with me laughing? Nathan McKinnon is just he's got no time for it. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's why that's why Gabe Landeskog wears the C, because Gabe Landeskog comes trotting out to media after every single loss in the locker room or now on Zoom, and talks to us. And it's great. It's great. You know, and that's again, that's not a stab at Nathan McKinnon. That's just not something that he wants to do. And that's okay. He's got such a mentality of I need to be in the zone all the time where, you know, being asked about a goal against or being asked about whatever the hell I asked him about last week and uh, having to deal with that after a loss is just not something he wants to talk about. And I understand that now knowing who Nate is, I completely understand that. Absolutely. I've sat there before. And to put things in perspective for myself, after a men's league loss, I'll sit there, you know, take off the top half of my gear, look around the locker room, and I remember thinking to myself, how would I feel if some little jackass came up to me and started asking me questions about that yeah. loss and stuck his phone in my face? I'd be pretty annoyed, too. So, you know, I do cut him some slack there. Yeah. Um, but then again, you are a pro. It's part of your, you know, it's part sure. of your job. It's 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 a double-edged sword. Um I'm not the kind of guy that likes to bash players that don't talk to media. I do sometimes like make some stupid comments, like if you're going to completely avoid it. But again, this just goes to show just how awesome a guy Gabe Landeskog is because after that loss to Vegas, we'll have Gabe Landeskog on Zoom shortly. And even in person in a pre-COVID world, the avalanche could get blown out in a game. And you walk into the locker room, and I have done this many, many times, and I say, hey, Gabe, do you have a word? Sure. That's all he says is sure. Sure. Every single time. Landis Scott could have been minus five. He could have gotten his ass kicked in a fight, which, you know, obviously has never happened. Minus five. He's the reason why the other team scored four goals in an eight nothing shutout loss. And you come into the locker room afterwards and say, hey, Gabe, do you have a minute for a word? And he'll say, sure. And, on and the, that's what I love about that. On the other side of the spectrum, of course, it's been a while since we've been in the locker room. But if a I guy has a good game... And the media starts to crowd around Gabe Landeskog. He says, nope, you're not talking to me tonight. You're go, talking to yeah, this go to, guy. Get, go to Ryan Graves. He yeah. was plus four because that's what he was doing every game. Like, it's so awesome when he does that. That dude is so awesome. And then seeing him up against the glass with this kid, it's just kind of like, it's one of those things where you're like, ah, young Gabe who was drafted here when he was 19. It's great to see him grow up. And I'm sitting there like thinking about this. And then I remember that Gabe Landeskog is seven and a half months older than me. And I'm like, all right, relax. So... It's just great to see how far that guy's come, but at the same time, he's just always professional, just always a stand-up, consummate pro, and it's 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 awesome to have him in the locker room, and there's a reason why he wears that C on his jersey. Sure, and I, I'm, I'm sure as a hockey player, you think, you know, you look at other veterans around the league, and you think, man, one day I can't wait till my kids are sitting on the glass at warm-ups, and I can come wave at them and blow them kisses or whatever, and yeah, now's the time, so it's like... Like you were saying, it's like half of you wants him to focus. Half of you is like, oh, he's been waiting for this his whole career. No, 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 no. By 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 no means do I think that there's anything wrong with that. And before anybody says it, there's no issues with Nazem Kadri, who's in the middle of a pretty brutal <laughs> slump, going over there and waving at the girl too. It's not. Oh well, if he was 
focused like McKinnon was, maybe he would score. No, it doesn't work that way. That's completely fine. Uh, soak it in. Take in the moment. They deserve it because they earned it. We were on the topic of Patrick Waugh for a second. I wanted to get <laughs> your thoughts on him vocalizing that he wants another shot in the NHL. So what he's doing, and I'm going to say this despite the fact that it's similar to what you said on the hockey show because I would have said the same thing. Well, similar to what Ryan said on the hockey show. This is him coming in and saying, Dominic Ducharme isn't doing that good in Montreal. Canadians, are you going to hire me? And that's that's what it says to me. It says, I want to be the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, and I want to lead them to glory or do to them what I did to the Avalanche and just kind of run them into the ground, like whichever <laughs> way you want to look at it. But it says to me that Patrick Waugh wants to coach the Montreal Canadiens. Will I ever see him coaching or can I ever see him coaching a different team? Honestly, not now. Uh, not until he's tarnished his reputation in both cities and he's one for two uh, as a coach, not as a player, obviously. Um, as a player, he's also one for two, <laughs> but on the other team. So it says to me that Patrick is looking at that Montreal job and he's eyeing it down. And, and you know, I don't know if Mark Bergevin's job is going to last this summer as the GM. But if it doesn't, then, you know, he's going to take that resume and fluff it up and be like, I can make trades, too. I will no longer trade for small players like Jonathan Drouin. I will trade him for a towering uh, pick your guy off of whatever team because that's the type of team that I want to build. This is, you know, kind of going off the rails here, but I was really interested in the 31 thoughts conversation recently when they were talking about Bergevin and how he just simply doesn't look happy. He does. He just looks extra wow. stressed right now and I, I that that conversation just resonated with me so i hate to pump the tires of another podcast but if you haven't checked that conversation out give it a listen because it was kind of you know about just life in general right now yeah and it's one of those things where it's like no matter what i do no matter how hard i try it just seems to not click and with the montreal canadians they gave us a little bit of a tease in the beginning of the year with Tyler Toffoli and Josh Anderson scoring all these goals, and they were just going, they were buzzing. And then Chris Johnson, our old friend, I think I've mentioned this before, sent out a tweet saying the Montreal Canadiens mm -hmm. are a juggernaut, and they have since just died down into nothingness. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. More like a juggernaut. But, Wait. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> N O T. Yeah, I get you. Uh, speaking of juggernaut, let me let, let me give this shout out now before we get to the end. Uh, I was going to add it to the three stars, but screw it because we said juggernaut. The other day, Chris Johnston ran a marathon in Canada on the 365th, literally 365th consecutive day that he went out for a run. Starting from last year's April 29 to this year's April 29, CJ went out for a run every single day and he's still continuing the streak right now. And he's running not little miles. He's running 10, 11 K a day. He ran the marathon raising money for Conquer COVID-19 in Canada. It's an organization. His marathon raised over $11,000, which in Canada right now is a big thing. And he did it wearing a shirt that said juggernaut. And he bashed his PR time. He did it at an excellent time. I was texting him about it. Just shout out to CJ. Uh, that was great to see. And it's really cool to see someone who has as busy a schedule as him going out and running 11 miles a day, not some schmo like me running five in Denver and calling myself a reporter. Like it's it's a, it's a completely different ball game what he's doing. And, and it was just awesome to see. He's got a serious case of the runs. But yeah, friend friend of the show. Friend of the show, Chris Johnston over at Sportsnet, NHL insider, and 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 the guy that's going to give me the scoop when the Avalanche make a big trade in the offseason, right? Maybe. Yeah, we'll he's going to you first. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? I mean, he listens to the pod. He's going to hear this and be like, yeah, right yeah. away. 
right before Twitter, he's going to you. Yeah. Um, a couple of things I wanted to get into before we wrap it up and hit the three stars of the week. That's Alex Newhook getting called to the taxi squad today. Of course, the AHL, you know, not much of a postseason being planned there. So um, I think it's a good time to bring him up and probably just more kind of like they did with Bo Byram in the bubble, right? Just get him around the NHL yeah. squad, see how he can hang. I wouldn't be surprised to not see him um, in, in any game action, but just nice to have him around the around the boys, right? Yeah, I actually disagree. I think he's going to get a game or two or three okay. because okay. he can play up to six before it burns the first year of his ELC and then obviously no playoff games. And, and the Avalanche have seven games left. So if you're going to keep having injuries or you kind of want to shuffle through your forwards, I mean, Kiefer Sherwood, shout out to you. You've been playing great. But if you want to give him a night off and give Newhook a little taste of NHL action, you can. But the greatest thing about Alex Newhook is he's transitioned well to the AHL game. He's played eight games with the Eagles. He's got five goals and four assists. On Saturday, the Eagles lost five to four, but Newhook had two goals, and now he's been called up. So he's, you know, just like Bowen Byram. And let's not forget Jacob McDonald. He was taken to the bubble, and he came out a new man uh, in terms of his hockey career. Uh, Newhook is going to definitely benefit from this. He's going to benefit from being around the team, practicing with them, likely getting a few games here and there. And let's face it, dude, when it's the end of practice and Gabe Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon and all these guys are sitting out on the ice, taking those shots and, you know, practicing their their redirections in front and their face-offs, you're Alex Newhook. You're going to soak that moment in. You're going to stay on the ice. You're going to work hard with these kids, and you're going to say, I want to be a part of this core. Right. At the same time, not being too distracting, right? You don't want to be that guy. No, for sure. And Nathan sure. McKinnon's ear, like, hey, how do you tape your stick? Hey, how do you do this? Hey, you know, trying to yeah. just bug him. <laughs> McKinnon's got no time for that. He's going to go right. talk to Gabe. Yeah, he's like, go. go. Or Gabe's going like, to kind of pull him away like, no, 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 go, not now. Yeah, go over there with Nas and Gabe. Talk to baby. <laughs> um, uh, last thing we got to get to is just who's next. You kind of brought it up a little bit. Two more games against San Jose. Anything you are expecting or need to see out of these next two games? Not necessarily. They may or may not win both. I mean, that's 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 the easiest way to put it. Are they going to win two or are they not? It's a 50-50 chance. But, you know, it's not really easy in the NHL to sweep a team four games in a row. Sweeping them twice is great. Sweeping them three is a cherry on top. Beating them four games in a row is pretty impressive, no matter who they are, even if they're the lowly Sharks. So uh, I expect the Avalanche to kind of, this is all I want. Don't get into bad habits. Don't get hurt. Stay freaking healthy. Those are the only two things that matter. That's the only thing that matters, in my opinion. Yeah, the bad habits thing. You're right. You're right. That's uh, subtle. But first and foremost, just stay healthy, please. Let's not go into these playoffs banged up. Sam Gerrard, Samuel Gerrard, I understand that... uh, you got hit behind the net, but linesman, come on, cut us a break. Don't wave off that icing a second before Sam Gerrard's expecting it to be called an icing and then leading to a collision behind the boards, which is exactly why hybrid icing exists. So don't get into bad habits. Most importantly, stay healthy because at this point, whether you're first or you're second in the division, Minnesota and St. Louis, neither team's going to be a cakewalk. Pick your poison. Don't lose out and you know end up in third place and let Minnesota pass you. But, you know, don't sit there and, 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 you know, get into bad habits or get injured or or risk injury just to try to catch that first spot if your goal is to just get to the dance, like we've been saying. Well said. Well said. So I think... I'm, I try. I do well sometimes. I think from there we can get to the Mile High Sports three stars of the week brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. 
and picked and chosen by JJ Jerez because I have no idea who the three stars are. So let's hear them. You're coming in blind on these ones. Nothing let's crazy. Nothing out of left field. We're going with star number three is going to Ryan Miller, sticking with the goalie family, of course. Announcing his retirement recently, I just think it was really awesome to see his teammates kind of give him the nod of the cap um, for his last home game and wearing an assortment of Ryan Miller jerseys, right? That was kind of cool. They wore a bunch of different ones. Usually you just all see him wearing the same jersey. They brought out all the different um, styles of, of Anaheim jerseys for the season. Yeah, that was awesome to see. And and shout out to him. They defeated the LA Kings, was it? Six to two for Ryan Miller's last home game in the NHL. And then the LA Kings stuck around like the classy organization that they were in kind of stuck around and said, shook his hand after every single, every single player shook his hand. And it was led by Jonathan Quick and John and uh, Dustin Brown. I'm struggling here. Who were both his teammates with the U.S. in the Olympics over the last, you know, 10, 12 years, 10, 11 years. So it was really great to see that as well. I saw a fun fact that every goalie in that game was actually an American goalie, including the backups. But yeah. how awesome would it have been had Timu Solani come on the ice and grab Ryan Miller by the <laughs> arm and skate a lap with it him? Was that JS Vigar. That was the most Disney moment in the NHL, and it was done by a team that was bought, purchased, and started by Disney after the Mighty Ducks movies. That was such a happy Disney moment. And right after that, you can kind of see the end credits of a Disney movie uh, and probably a Phil Collins song stuck in there when Jiggy and, and Solani went out for that skate. I like how you did the arch. Yeah. <laughs> you did that with your hands. The yeah. people can't see that, but I can. Uh, star number two, we're going to Connor Timmons. Just because, like I said earlier, it was good for him to step up into a bigger role and perform and perform at a great level to where now Avs fans like him again. Yes, and, and like I'm going to say, I'm going to go back to that podcast I referenced where the host asked the other guys on the podcast if the Avalanche should trade Connor Timmins for Chris Dreger, who's been playing amazing with the Florida Panthers this year as a goalie. And all three people said, no, you're the Avalanche. You don't get rid of Connor Timmins. And I think that's something that's lost on fans here because we have Makar and Gerard and Taves and Byram is Connor Timmins is a good defenseman. And, and he's kind of this hidden gem that's going to grow. And it reminds me of Nashville when they always had a top four blue line. And then someone like Dan Hamhus would always end up going to free agency because everybody f- forgets about him. And then he has a great career elsewhere. You don't want that to happen with Timmons. You want this guy to be part of your core. He is a good player. For me, it's Bowen Byram who kind of makes Avs fans forget about Connor Timmons. But you're right. I mean, Connor just, Timmons, he came out of left field. Yeah. He came out of left field this quick and and went right into the top four. I know I know he wasn't really scoring or putting up points, but Bo just looked so comfortable and so confident, which was a big thing. Uh, but it just sucks that he hasn't played for so long. Right. Missed the guy. Um, star number one, we got to give it to Nathan McKinnon, right? I mean, we spent about 25 minutes Never just talking about him. So I think he leads the league in first stars on the hockey mount. Mountain High podcast, so we're gonna give him another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, take that, Connor McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's he. He just looks completely out of this world. It's awesome to see it. And if there's anybody that's gonna lead this team to a Stanley Cup over the next five or six years, it's going to be Nathan McKinnon. And Philip Grubauer can't get hurt. Let's not forget that because Nate can't play goalie. But it's gonna be Nathan McKinnon. So shout out to him. He looks completely like a man possessed out there. He's he's ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think that's all we have to, on the docket for today. Anything else you want to get out there before we head out and let our Avs fans go about their week? 
Nope, that's it for real this time. I promise you fans, we will be here Thursday because I'm not going to cover an impromptu Nuggets game that day. The Avalanche, once again, play Monday, Wednesday. We will record Thursday to talk about, hopefully, no injuries and no bad habits. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, like I always say, if you haven't downloaded DraftKings yet, I don't know what you're doing, so go ahead and download that America's top-rated sportsbook app. How did I do on my read? I freestyled that. That was a free. No, that was that was pretty good. We you know we brought it back to hockey because if DraftKings won't, then we will. Absolutely. So, uh, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll be back as soon as we can to discuss some more Avs hockey and start gearing up for the playoffs. So that's what I'm excited for. I'm personally just going through the motions. I hope the players don't follow my suit. But um, yeah, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Hockey's for everyone, and we out you. Yeah.